This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Stall and Stable Show. Ideas for happy horsekeeping. Sabrina Hayes is a horse-crazy lady born and raised in Montana who's continued her horse passion as an adult. She grew up riding and showing quarter horses and currently has a small herd of brood mares, plus a yearling and a pony. (laughs) Sabrina's goal is to raise quality, trainable quarter horses with good brains to be competitive in the all-around Western and English events at stock breed shows. She's based in south-central Montana and works as a veterinary assistant to support her horse hobby. Host Tara Tibbetts chats with this experienced horsewoman, her old friend, about how Sabrina keeps her broodmares happy and their foals healthy. Small, responsible breeding is possible. So, listen in. This is Episode 3 of Stall and Stable West, brought to you by Barn Pros. Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. I'm Helena Harris. Please support our sponsors as they help make this show possible. For most equestrians, whether amateurs or pros, the challenges of time and money are ceaseless. One of the ways we overcome those challenges is by being as efficient as possible, but without compromising quality care for our horses or ourselves. Enter Barn Pros. They offer extraordinarily well-thought-out barn and living structures that combine horse space and human space. One structure solves two problems. Barn Pro's exceptional quality, precise engineering, and streamlined building process reduces guesswork, mistakes, and time to build. That means time and money saved. See? Problem solved. Their barn packages include everything from blueprints to lumber and hardware, all ready to build. Plus, they have great resources for educating and supporting their customers throughout the entire process. To see their designs and floor plans, visit them online at barnpros.com. Hi, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Stall and Stable West, where we cover all things horsekeeping with a focus on life west of the Mississippi. This episode features host Tara Tibbetts talking with an old friend of hers, Sabrina Hayes, a horsewoman who lives near Billings, Montana, who keeps her horses at home and breeds quality quarter horses. Before we roll into our guest segment today, I have a special announcement for listeners who love Colorado. There's a great job opportunity for a professional stable manager at a high-end facility in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Actually, there are two openings, stable manager and trainer. The facility is a multidiscipline, high-end equestrian center that can accommodate up to 35 horses. It sits within a large private ranch that offers a heated indoor arena, outdoor jump ring, cross-country schooling area, and miles upon miles of stunning trails. Living accommodations and a stall are part of the compensation package for the stable manager. And the pay is competitive. The trainer position is flexible and can become part of the stable manager's role or exist on its own. Essentially, we need two really good professionals to run a really nice facility. How the job functions are divvied up can be flexible based on your skills, experience, and what you want to do, really. Since it's a multidiscipline boarding stable, 
this would be a great opportunity for an inventor or a professional in any of the disciplines who has an open mind and might have some experience with more than just their discipline. So Huntsy, Western, Western dressage, working equitation, really whatever, but it's got to be somebody who can appreciate just how much the open space has to offer the professional equestrian. For a full job description, including salary, please send an email to email at stallandstable.com. Put Colorado in the subject line so we can prioritize your inquiry. It's a sweet deal, people. And Steamboat is off the charts. Beautiful. And now let's tune in to Tara and Sabrina talking about what life is like on Sabrina's farm, breeding and raising quality quarter horses. I am delighted today to be talking to my friend Sabrina Hayes. Sabrina, did we meet in 4-H or did we meet in quarter horse stuff? A quarter horse, I think. But uh, we both did 4-H, right? Yes, both did 4-H. And I but would I, guess... We both took lessons with Sharon. Yes, Sharon Davis, who... Yes. I think she's in like Wisconsin or something now. Michigan, I, maybe? I think Michigan, yeah. And so I everyone who listens to this knows that I, I'm from Montana. And where are you in Montana? Or are you in Wyoming now? I'm in Montana, but I work in Wyoming. Okay. That's why I think that. So you're in the very South part of Montana, kind of central yes. uh, Billings. Our focus then is, and you have kind of a unique setup in that you have quarter horse show horses, but you also have a breeding program. So let's start by telling us kind of what horses you have and what you do with them. So I sold my show horses and just have my breed mares at the moment. Um, I have two hunt seat breed mares and one Western pleasure bred breed mare. I kept back a hunt seat stud colt that I raised. He's by Allocate Your Assets, who's the all-time leading sire of hunter under saddle horses. Um, in quarter I'm, horse or in paint and stuff also? Uh, I think he might be in paint too, but I only know about a quarter horse. Okay. So I'm pretty excited about him. And then he's out of a daughter of Hot and Blazing, who's now in the NSBA Hall of Fame as a breedmare sire. So. Oh, awesome. I have big hopes for him. <laughs> so are you keeping him a stallion? I am for now. Um, okay. Just kind of see how he performs or is it like a maturity growing thing or kind of what's the. To see how he performs, um, I've always wanted to have my own stallion, and I feel like he's got the breeding behind him, but he's got a lot to prove before we ever even get to that point with him. Oh, uh, that's exciting. You're crazy in a good way. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> it could all be done. You know, I can yell him any moment. But Right, right. For now, he's got the mind, and he's staying quiet and, and peaceful, and he's willing, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, he looks, is he a coming two-year-old or a coming yearling? Coming two. He'll be two in March. So that's one thing that the hunter, jumper, dressage, eventing people tend, they really don't start riding their horses until they're three. And uh -huh. that is a pretty different, you know, if, if people familiar with the quarter horse and stock breed showing know this, but there's a lot of flat classes available to two-year-olds, right? There are. Yeah, there's a lot of fraternity stuff too. However, I'm not worried about pushing him to get him anywhere. 
I just kind of go with the flow with him and he, he's happy to be saddled and stuff at this point. I haven't been on him and I don't intend to push him to get him anywhere. Just let him kind of come along as he, as he wants. See how he is. Yeah. Which I, which I think a lot of the best trainers do that. If the horse acts like it's ready to hit the road, they hit the road. Are the English horses anymore kind of like the thoroughbreds tend to get real butt high when they're two, three, four? Well, mine sure do. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the rest of, it seems like a lot of them are born so early that they have gone through that before they show. Mine's super butt high. <laughs> and I feel like if they're going to end up fairly tall, which I think yours, you anticipate he'll be in the high 16, low 17 hands. Yep. He should be. He's string test there. So yeah. We'll so I feel like those ones definitely get really butt high. Yeah. You keep your horses at home, right? I do. How long have you had your place? Uh, four and a half years now. And if I remember correctly, was there anything there when you bought the place? Um, there was a little shed and it had a well and septic and that's it. And the perimeter fence. So walk us through a little bit of what you've done over the last four years and kind of how you chose what you did. Um, my biggest thing was I just wanted to get as much land as I could possibly afford. So I was able to get 20 acres. It is dry land. I'd rather have irrigated, but the dry land is, is fine. Um, the grass is actually stouter, uh, more nutrients than the irrigated, which I did not expect. So I've had to really watch their feet and make sure they don't get overweight on the grass. Interesting. Um, it has been very interesting. Um, but I started out with just a, a three-sided shed that I had enclosed. So it has two stalls and a tack room. And I just had one breed mare and a show horse that I had. Um, so that's where I started out. And then wanted to build a house. And I had trouble with contractors. And I have started over. This is my second time starting over. Oh, jeez. So it's been interesting, but I have a barn dominium started on there. So it has four stalls and a wash rack and a tack room. And then my house is attached to it. Okay. Kind of like every girl's dream. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> it's just me and the horses and the dogs. So it's okay. So I have that and a round pen and that's all that's there at the moment. We'll so do go. you have big um, foaling stalls? I have one large foaling stall. It's 12 by 24. Okay. And then it can be split so I can have two stalls, um, 12 by 12, and then I have two 12 by 12 stalls on the other side of the alleyway. And do you keep your horses stalled very much or are they out more or what's your philosophy on that? They're out. I, I like them to be out if they can be. Um, the stalls are there when I need them. They have windbreak if they need it, um, but they're out. I do equal loom masks to keep them under lights so they can stay out. I feel like that's a more common with the stock breed thing. So tell us about that. Um, it's just a, a mask that has the blue light cup on one side of their eye. Um, and it's on a timer. It runs all on its own. Turn it on at 4 o'clock and it turns itself off at 11 and then stays on that schedule so that you can shed them out. You can get your mare cycling to full and to breed. So I prefer to do those and just keep them out if I can. And so they, they're fine wearing the mask in turnout. Mine do really well. I've had friends that have had horrible problems with them. They rub them off and catch them on stuff. But mine, my mares are pretty chill. They just 
hang out. <laughs> so. Awesome. So how many babies will you have this spring? Just one this spring. She's Just due one. 340 days will be January 19th. Oh, so that's coming up really soon. Yeah, she's close, close. So how do you deal with foaling in Montana in January? Because if anyone doesn't know, it's not warm. No, it's not. And we're about <laughs> to get like 10 inches of snow this week. So, <laughs> um, But I have a foaling stall and I have heat lamps in there and an infrared heater as well. And then full blankets. And I just try to really make sure that I'm there when she foals so that I can get the foal dried off, cleaned up and and we won't have any issues there. And Lots you, of straw. Oh, you use straw bedding? Yeah, I do. For the foaling. This is your what, fourth or fifth foal? Have you had that many? Yeah, this will be the fifth. I feel like that's one of those. Have you had any terrible foaling experiences? Uh, my very yourself? first one was awful. Um, I bought a mare just basically off a picture. And didn't know anything about her. I love her. She's my favorite mare. <laughs> but no information when I bought the mare. Just brought her home. Um, she had placentitis. Um, so she lost all of her colostrum. Um, so the foal was born and we didn't have any colostrum for him. And he had to have plasma transfusions. Um, and then the mare also retained her placenta. Uh. And so we had all kinds of issues with that, but both of them are good to go now. And uh, that foal is actually in Oregon now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he's going to do the hunter jumper stuff out there. Have you bred that mare again? Yes. And she had a filly the same year as the stud colt um, by the same stud and no issues. I was much more prepared and knew more about her issues Right. Um, so she did develop placentitis again, and we got her on antibiotics, and then no issues. I ordered colostrum from Haggards, and so I bottle-fed the foal when she was born. So we had plenty of good colostrum, and her IgG was good. Can you prevent placentitis, or is that just do you have to deal with it when it happens kind of a thing? I think you just have to deal with it from what I've learned. Um, I've never had a mare with it except this mare. And they, once they start to do that, it's pretty common for every pregnancy after that. But it's fairly easily managed then with the antibiotics? I've had good luck with it. Um, other people have had horrible issues with it and they can abort. Um, but I, I've been able to manage it pretty well with this mare, no problem. I mean, and I will say... You're brave and crazy, I think, to have had a bad first experience, which I, not losing the mare in full, I think probably, you know, gives you a little bit of bravery. I don't, I don't know if you followed along. I, I bred my mare when she was three and she foaled when she was four and it was a phototomy and it was the worst experience of my entire life and I'll never do it again. <laughs> yes, I can understand that completely. <laughs> So I have a tremendous amount of respect for, especially amateurs like you who are brave. I mean, because it's, it's not inexpensive no. and it's super stressful to breed and have babies. It is. And like you love the mares as much as the foals and you don't want anything to happen to those mares either. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just don't know if I want to breed 
that because I don't want anything to happen to the mayor. <laughs> right. I love right. And so I think one of the things, especially as, a, as an amateur owner breeder and not like you're not doing this as your livelihood, do you intend to keep these mares forever? Um, do you think you'll, you'll eventually sell them as brood mares or kind of what's your, is that why you got the larger acreage so you can keep them? What, what's your thought process there? Um, the three mares I have now, I will keep till they die. I have no intention of selling them. Um, they're older. Two of them are older. One will be 16 and one will be 15. Um, and they're at my house for life. I, I don't want to pass them around. That's never been a reason to have them. I have them because I love them and I love how they're bred and they've produced some nice bowls for me to be able to show. And the ones that I've sold have gotten wonderful homes. Um, the younger mare I have a friend gave to me um, oh, because cool. she had been in a tornado and she's not sound in um, the previous owner is older and she doesn't want to have a bunch of horses around to be able to care for. So she asked if I would take her and I adore the mare and she has a home for life at my house. Oh, that's cool. Has she had any foals yet? She has not. She's been a project. We've gotten okay. her in foal twice and she's lost them by 45 days. So um, she's going to have to have more of a workup before we try again. And you said this already, I think, but how old is she? She will be six this year. So, I mean, should be a good age at least. Yes. I don't, we just got some stuff going on and I haven't had her at a, a real repro clinic. So she right. needs to go just have a good workup and we'll see what happens from there. So kind of on that path. So where I grew up is probably 150, 160 miles from where you are now. So one thing we talk about on the Horse Radio Network, all the podcasts is the difficulty finding veterinarians and especially for large animals. So how close are you to a veterinarian and how close are you to an actual repro? The actual repro clinic that I go to is in Wyoming. Um, they're the largest stallion station in Wyoming, right outside of Sheridan. So they're about 150 miles from my home. As far as emergency school, there's a vet clinic that's just about 15 minutes from my house. And they, they will do out calls as well. They do a nice job, um, but not for repro. But everything right. else they do really well. So I'm Do they do any basic repro or... So they do. They got one of my mares in full for me, but they just don't have the facility and the, and the time to be able yeah. to devote to it. Yeah. That's awesome. You have a good vet that close by for emergencies though. Cause I know for us, that was always yeah. a big challenge and we were really fortunate. We didn't have any catastrophic stuff happen very often, but. Yeah, it's terrifying. That's like my biggest thing is where am I going to go in an emergency? I, right. I'm prepared for that. Right. And, I mean, have you had to have any, I mean. Just, any just one. Um, I had a mare get hung up in a panel. She damaged a hind leg but it all worked out fine. But they were there in 15 minutes and we had antibiotics on board and x-rays taken within 30 minutes. So they're a really good clinic and they come right out when you need that's, them. Yeah, that's great. So then kind of going back to the like physical location where you are, 
one thing we never had this when I was a kid and I have it a lot now that I'm in Texas, but, and it doesn't sound like you have to deal with mini colic. Right. Well, um, I'm a veterinary assistant, so I have some drugs on hand if I need it. I have a, a pony that likes to colic a lot on me in the winter. <laughs> so he, and it's usually pretty minor. So I just keep banamine on hand and that takes care of it for him. But luckily I can have a few things on hand to get after it faster before I call a vet. Do you see a lot of colics up there? I, I mean, as a working at a vet's office and, and just yourself? Um, no, actually, surprisingly, no. The times that we see it are when they don't have water. Water's just the right. biggest issue. And, and a, a severe drop in temperature, we'll see some. But Which I feel like a lot of that is they quit drinking. Yeah, I, exactly. Water is such an issue. It's just, it's an interesting thing to me in that I'd be curious to see if they ever did a study because there's obviously there's more people and more horses where I live than you live, but just mm -hmm. colic is common. And I really think it's a lot because you get to an urban area and people are more likely to keep their horse in a 12 by 12 box stall and not, not give it as much turnout. Mm -hmm. Right. I can see that they're not getting the movement that they would normally have to be able to out, be out and about and stuff. I think. Right make a difference for sure. Right. So does your facility, do you have um, an arena? Do you have, I think you have a pretty nice round pen or what's your riding setup like? Um, all I have is a round pen. It is a 60 foot. So, you know, for riding babies and stuff, it's fine. And then everything else just has to go out. I ride in the pasture. Eventually, someday I'll have an arena, but I'm just not there yet. Do you feel like it makes a big difference for your horses? I, I honestly like it better. I I would prefer to have better ground to ride on. I don't like pounding them around on the hard ground. But it forces you to steer and not bounce off the walls. And, I mean, you're you're out. <laughs> and they, they enjoy it. I think they're happy and they trot out and you, you don't get a crammed up movement. Um, they like to reach and, and be out. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree because I feel like, especially when you're starting youngsters, which I've started everything I have except Simon came off the track, but there's uh -huh. just something that's kind of nice. If you know they have a good brain and you've done your homework with them, you know the first couple of times you get on them, they're probably not going to act stupid. And I agree, not having the arena walls to you know bounce off per se, I feel like they kind of learn their feet a little bit better if they just can get going. I agree. Yes, I really like it. And then you know you get to horse shows. And I feel like they almost behave better because they're not really used to having the rail. Yes, I would agree completely. And you're not used to it either. So you're not just letting them follow the wall. You're, you're actually steering them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So what's kind of your long term? Do you, do, are you hoping to keep more babies or are you just kind of, you know, see what happens from year to year? What's, what's your long term look like? Well, my original goal was to have four broodmares, two Western, two hunt seat, and then sell three and keep one back every year Okay, um, was my plan, but it hasn't worked that way. Like every plan goes. <laughs> right. Especially with horses. <laughs> yes. So um, just trying to get back to it. I hope to get two mares spread this spring and then we'll see what happens with the mare we haven't been able to keep in full and kind of just 
rolling with it right now and see how my stud colt does and 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 what happens there. My plan's kind of falling apart. It's <laughs> not there right, right now. <laughs> well, I mean, if it sounds like, you know, if you've got a stud prospect, that really probably is going to change. Like, ultimately, if you end up keeping him a stud, I would imagine that the mares you keep would change too. Yes, and I would look for different mares. Um, I'm kind of curious and would like to cross him on my Western mare because he can jog too. So it might be two of the mares I have, I could breed to him, but it'll change what I look for as far as mares go. Awesome. And it's, I'm guessing you're doing almost or probably exclusively AI? Yes. Quarter horse doesn't require live cover or anything like that. Correct. And the market's pretty good for babies? Um, It's sort of been all over the place. I, I'm not in the country for big hunt seat horses and that's what I've had so it's been a little different to find homes for them nothing really local everybody that was looking at the the filly I had for sale this spring was back east Um, but then shipping's an issue right now too with the price of fuel so lots of interest but I'm kind of in the wrong country for the the hunt seat horses that I like (laughs) yeah it's it's that's something that comes up a lot when we talk about you know, in the sport that I compete in, there's a fair amount of American breeders, but they're spread all over the United States. And so a lot of folks will just go to Europe because they can see 10 times as many horses in a quarter of the distance in one spot. So it's been really interesting in that I personally am a huge proponent of American bred horses, and I would never buy one imported because I would only want to support American bred. But there's also a side of me that nothing beats the quarter horse brain. Nothing. Right. And I've sat on a lot of different horses in the last 20 years and some great thoroughbreds, some great warm bloods. So someday if I get brave again, I'd love to try to kind of pursue breeding a a quarter horse that's more geared towards the hunter jumper world. So maybe we'll have to continue a conversation about that just because the hunter jumper horses are a lot more uphill than what the quarter horse breed tends to air towards. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, it is funny though, because you see a lot of failed cutting horses down here in Texas that are in the pony ring showing in the pony hunters, which is adorable. I have heard that too. And in the eventers too. Is yes. that right? Yeah. Cause they're those, you know, like, you know, my old horse Jaguar who had just passed yeah. away. He was so athletic. Like he could do three foot easy and he was 15 hands and a grandson of Doc Bar. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of a, and the eventers don't care what the papers look like for the most part, especially when they're not doing the like super big courses. They definitely care a lot more about brain and athleticism. So, which I think would make a difference in everything. Yes. <laughs> if that was your concern. <laughs> yes. And that's the nice thing about quarter horses is they're bred to do so many different things. The athleticism is almost inherent. Right. That's so. what draws me to them. I, I love the all around and they can do whatever you ask them to do. Yeah, like your horse Ice. Like he was a big horse, but he could do so many different things. Yes, and loved it. He Anything you showed him, he was ready and willing. I, I think I remember this, but tell us what were his blood. And you raised him and what were his bloodlines? Um, I bought him when he was four months old. And he was by a son of Coolest, who is a halter horse. And I don't know that was even ridden. And then he was out of a daughter of Doc's prescription. Oh, okay. So he was cowbred on the bottom 
and he just got huge. Like he was huge halter looking. Um, he weighed 1600 pounds. Oh my. Yes. He was a beast. And he was and tall he, too though, right? Um, he was 15, three. So he wasn't, he looked yeah. taller than he was. He did everything. He, whatever you wanted to do, he, he would do, he would jump. I moved bowls on him when he had 30 rides and he was happy to do that. He was trail ridden. Um, we swam him in the river. He roped a little bit. He had hunter under saddle points, hunting egg points. He just was a neat, neat horse. And and ultimately, the best thing about him was his brain. Oh, absolutely. He's just happy. Just whatever. Throw yeah. it at him. And he's like, okay, we'll give it a try. So what's your new kid's name that you'll start writing? Um, I call him Jardani. Jardani. After John Wick. <laughs> I, my husband has seen those. I have not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm so a John I'll have Wick fan. <laughs> get the DL from him. So Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much. I obviously loved catching up with you because it's been a minute. But yes. I hope you inspire our listeners to know, like, you can do this on your own, even out in the middle of nowhere. And it's fun and rewarding. It is. It is. Absolutely. Just give it a go. So if anybody is listening, is interested in checking out your horses or your mares or anything, where's the best place for them to stalk you? Probably my Facebook. It Most of it's public, so you can see it just under my name. And I have a Dream, Dream Machine Ranch is what I call it. And I have a Facebook page for that too. Awesome. Well, we'll put some of that information in the show notes for this episode. Um, I appreciate your time on this snowy Saturday morning. Right, right. <laughs> it's so good to visit with you. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. For more information about Sabrina and the information that was talked about in this episode, go to stallandstable.com and look up Stall and Stable West, Episode 3. The show notes will contain links to Sabrina's Facebook page and some follow-up information on the things that Tara and Sabrina talked about. Thank you, listeners, once again for following along. And thank you to Barn Pros. I have been following Barn Pros for years and years and years and years. This is a company that's been around for a long time. They've gone through a couple of reinventions, and what they have to offer now is better than ever. So if you're thinking about bringing your horses home or you want to combine, you want to either build a barn or an arena or a house or all of the above, go to Barn Pros first. You can find them at barnpros.com or just go to Stall and Stable and click on their banner. And that's going to be a wrap for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it.